The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that armadillos are amazing at predicting the winners of Super Bowls? In fact, right now, one week before the Super Bowl, I'm going to predict that the Rams is going to be the winner. (laughs) Whoa, that's amazing. For more armadillo facts, to find out how you can access episodes a day early, to see how you can wear our faces on your body in a not entirely creepy way, and to check out our other podcasts, visit us at armadillo.club. Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lee. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Michael Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 36 through 40 of Towers of Midnight, book 13 of the Wheel of Time. Last time. Previously, Rand resolves the Trolloc situation in Meridon in the way only a dragon can. While it's Raleigh's like, oh, uh, thanks, I guess. Like, you know, it would have been cool if you had done that before all my friends got eaten by Trollocs, but, you know, I mean, now it's cool too, I guess. <laughs> uh, Elaine and Gwyn are both in Camelin, so between the two of them, I fully expect the collapse of Andor in the next chapter or so. <laughs> Egwene continues constructing her elaborate dream trap. I think we can all agree that she's not going to catch the White Tower murderer, but shit, something's bound to wander into that damn thing, right? <laughs> guess we'll see. Perrin actually does pretty well with the trial. I mean, yes, he's found guilty, and possibly still facing execution, but he gets to stay a sentence until after Charm and Guidance, so that's tomorrow Perrin's problem. <laughs> he also goes toe-to-toe with Slayer in the Wolf Dream. Doesn't kill him, but drives him off long enough to get the Dream Spike and run with it somewhere. <laughs> I got the Dream Spike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Can> catch me! <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 36, An Invitation, Icon of the Sea Folk. Uh, Egwene is hosting her meeting-slash-trap. Uh, the... The trap appears to be get Masana in the same room with Nynaeve, and then just, it'll happen. <laughs> I mean, that's not the worst idea. Yeah. I know, it's, it's funny, because, like, <clears throat> she's, she tells Nynaeve, if Masana appears, I want you to attack her. And Nynaeve, like, looks up from slipping on her brass knuckles with <laughs> face and punch etched on them. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, it's like telling Nynaeve to attack her forsaken is like commanding an ocean to just be wet or something. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, okay, sure. So Egwene is having a meeting with the uh, some Aes Sedai representatives, including herself, and some wise ones, and some sea folk, and she produce, uh, proposes to them all basically an exchange student program. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I, th- this is something I've been kind of hoping for for a while, but I do think it's funny that Egwene managed to somehow gather like all of the worst assholes in the world in one room. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was thinking about that. It's like, okay, we've got the, the sea folk who are like assholes, you know? We've got the wise ones who are just like, oh, total dicks. And the Aes Sedai who are just like, oh, everyone hates the Aes Sedai. Like, <laughs> let's put them all together and see what happens, you know? Yeah. Uh, they get along all right, actually. Yeah, she does pretty good. I mean, not at first, but she kind of corrals them a bit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's also some Terangriol rights that they share around, you know? You guys can... We here in the tower will allow you to keep the Terangriol that you already own. Yeah. Because we're so nice. Well, yeah. I know. I, it's... It's easy, it, like, you know, they resist the whole thing a little bit, but ultimately this is kind of an easy sell because they're, the one thing they all have in common is that they want power and control. And if they're giving, like, an opportunity to be, have power and control over another group, they're like, yeah, we're on board, right? Yeah, right. And I, yeah, I think, I don't know if Egwene expects the tower to come out on top here and be in charge of everything. I mean, 
probably, but you know, like that's that's they're also going to share share knowledge, right? They're, that is true. Special recipes for channeling. Yeah, and I think Egwene, I think she does expect the tower to come on top, but I think that she's a good enough leader to realize that you can still give up some of these things and still end up being the winner because that's what she's been doing all along, right? Like she's been providing small concessions to different Aes Sedai, but then she's mm. still the one who gets to fucking like deal with the king dragon. That's true, know? yeah. So I mean, case in point, she uses this whole conversation to wiggle out of that, like, I said I promised to send teachers to be abused by the, the sea folk, you know? Yeah. yeah. In, in the words of founding father Alexander Hamilton, she got what she wanted and she wanted what she got. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Lynn yeah. Manuel, if you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Check us out at patreon.com slash podcasting club. Yeah. We'll, we'll make a special tier for Lynn Manuel Miranda. That's yeah. Right. But yeah, ultimately I think that, that Egwene's kind of right about the way she approaches this, like, in this new world, it doesn't really make sense for Aes Sedai to claim this position of righteous supremacy or whatever, right? Yeah, like, I, I think we could we can informally name this the the get over yourself initiative. <laughs> I mean, it's like I think everyone, if they're being honest, is starting to feel a little bit silly. So now it's like, yeah, yes, yeah. get over it. Then suddenly the meeting is interrupted because Swan shows up. News: They've been attacked. Yeah, Aguin's trap worked in typical NDA style in that they uh, their trap turned into an ambush. I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the trick is, you walk into an ambush, then you ambush the ambush, and when they ambush your ambush, you ambush that ambush. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Then we cut to Perrin. All these chapters are like cutting between Perrin and Egwene and other people. Right. Uh, so it's very Star Warsy. Perrin is fleeing, carrying the uh, the dream spike. Mm-hmm. He has no idea what to do with it. Yeah, he's just yeah. running. I got it. I'm gonna run. I'm assuming he's carrying it in his mouth like a dog with a stick. <laughs> that makes a lot of that sense. Makes yeah. a lot of sense. I mean, like, and, just... and Slayer's like, "Come on, come on, give it, give it to me. Come on, come yeah. on. No. I got some bacon. No, no, no. I'm not gonna give it. To Drop you. it. Drop it. Okay, give him a look and then runs away. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, it makes perfect sense because that leaves his hands free for other things. You know, like but... his axe and his hammer. Right. Well, he only has the hammer right now. Right, right. And I guess the other one is to make up scene gestures at Slayer <laughs> as he runs away. Right. He spots Tar Valon in the distance. Finally, that white tower coming in useful. Yeah. He decides to go run over to Tar Valon. <laughs> oh, the white tower. Yeah, why not there? That's There's probably nothing happening there in the dream, right? No. <laughs> yeah. Chapter 37. Darkness in the tower. Icon of the Black Aja. So, Gawain is pondering his role in, in life. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Gwyn chapter. Cool. <laughs> yeah, just what we needed. Yeah. Uh, he, he realizes that maybe he's just jealous of Rand, because Rand is, like, better than him in every way. Yeah. Yeah, jealousy and, like, maybe a little bit of a sidekick syndrome, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, but he decides basically to get over himself and to start obeying Egwene and, you know, give up trying to be the, the hero and just sort of be the, the henchman. Yeah, what's so bad about being a henchman to if you get to be a henchman for someone who's, like, doing baller-ass shit, right? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But then he learns, as he's uh, going to talk to Elaine, that both Elaine and Egwene are dreaming, and he intuits that that means they're vulnerable to the blood knives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he travels to Tar Valon. To do exactly the same thing that he was going to do before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. There, there's a, a moment here where he's... He goes through the portal, and the woman almost closes the portal on him? Yeah, and what was up with that? It's because the dream spike moved in. Oh. And turned off traveling. Oh, okay. I, catch. Okay. Thank you. I was like, is this a is this a dark friend? Is this like someone trying to? Is this someone who's like jealous or angry? Go in. <laughs> I mean, 
to be fair, there's lots of reasons to be angry at Gawain, so if it was... Yeah, she, she's all like, down with the royals, bourgeois pigs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the dream spike, that makes perfect yeah, yeah. sense. Yeah, this all happened at the same time. So, Egwene uh, gets the news, the Aes Sedai are attacking Nynaeve and the Aes Sedai. She's chatting with the other Aes Sedai, uh, who are like, what should we do? But... Nynaeve's not there because Nynaeve didn't leave. Nynaeve's still fighting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, we better hide. And Nynaeve's like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it sounds yeah. like they've already lost two at this point. Um, and they're all trapped because a mysterious purple bear has appeared. Yeah. Thanks, Perrin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoopsie. Yeah. Perrin sends the uh, the newbies away, basically, the, the sea folk and stuff. And then she and the wise ones and the, a few of the Aes Sedai stay to do battle and get Masana. And they're all trapped together. Oh, yeah. So so I was wondering about this. The dream spike doesn't prevent you from waking up, does it? Like, I don't know that we've actually seen whether it does or not. And it, no, because Perrin wakes up. Well, he wasn't, was he never in it when he woke up? That's what I'm trying and to remember. And Wayne can't wake up, so I'm assuming that it does prevent them from being able to wake up. I was wondering. I thought, I thought she could wake up, she just couldn't leave. It's a little bit unclear to me, too. Yeah. But either way, they leave the situation and are right. not there anymore. Right. Uh, the rest of them do a dream battle. Yeah. And uh, Slayer catches up with Perrin. Uh, Speaking of dream battles. Yeah, and they have a pretty cool pre-fight chat. <laughs> yeah, the, like the standard hero-villain exchange. <laughs> You've grown strong, but not strong enough. You're no wolf! I don't know. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, pretty it's pretty good. And then uh, Gawain rushes to Igwain's room. Uh, on the way, he, he just has some time to think to himself, and he thinks about how this is exactly what he did that pissed her off so much in the first place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, am I doing the same shit again? Nah, this is different. Because now I'm her warder. Yeah. He wasn't. He was not her warder. <laughs> He's not her warder. Yeah, like this uh, This reminds me of the last time when I pushed into her room and just screwed up her trap. Mm. I better go push into her room again. Yeah. Uh, but I guess, time, I guess this time he's right. Like, stop clocks or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Imagine, like, after they get married, their entire marriage is he kicks in the door of her room every night. <laughs> I thought you were in danger! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he, he picks up some dudes with him, some, uh, some of his buds. Yeah, I right. like how his friend was like, you didn't have to ask us when somebody runs by with that look. And I was like, what if he just had to use the bathroom real quick? <laughs> then they're going to the bathroom with him. Yeah. He might need help holding his dick. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Gwen, you know? Yeah. Uh, but this time he is on the money because in Egwene's bedroom are blood knives. Yeah. They're ambushed by two blood knives. But then Gwen, Gwen sends for help and a third one appears. Yeah. Three blood knives. I am unimpressed by these blood knives. I mean, well, yeah. Actually, now that I think about it. Uh, G- Gwen is... By all accounts, a very good fighter. You know, he's like a blade master, and he's beaten lots of lots of nasty people, right? But, but they're, like they're supposed to be ultimate badasses too, and they've got supernatural super, strength, yeah. right? Yeah, and, yeah. He, and some like twenty year old kid was able to defeat three of them. Well, I mean, yeah, he doesn't do well, but yeah, it's, he does great for one on three. Well, no, that's not true. Actually, it was three on three. Let's be honest. Yeah. So can we just can <laughs> we just first. agree <laughs> that the Shanchan just kind of suck? Oh, yeah. Like, they think they're amazing, but I'm and it's only because they're used to, like, everyone telling them exactly what they want to hear, right? I mean, it, it, it's kind of ironic. It's something that pisses me off again about the Sean Chat is how they made me like Gawain when that one person was like, the Blood Knights are the baddest ass of all badasses. They train constantly to be the most cool, awesome killers ever. And Gawain's like, yeah, 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 got it. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got this knife. And, yeah. uh, and I got this other knife, too, that I also took from <laughs> I think they're just lazy when you, like, have a... An entire economy that's run by like slaves, then I guess you're just like okay. Well, they're yeah. they're an empire of yes men, right? Like you're not allowed to say no to the em- emperor, so yeah. whatever. Yeah. And it just trickles down from there, right? Has anybody ever fought back against the blood knives before, or do they just freak out and lay down and die? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a good point. 
fucking Sean Chan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's 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 going against these three blood knives and their shadow powers because they kill his buddies. Yeah. They also, how did that maid get tied up on the ceiling? So, <coughs> Egwene did set a trap. And the Blood Knights knew about it because Gwyn trapped it, er- tripped it earlier, so they found out about it. Oh. So they threw a maid in there to, to trip the trap. <laughs> <laughs> it's my theory. That's, that's gotta be it. That totally sense. Oh, I just wanted to change the sheet. <laughs> they grabbed a maid, threw her in the trap, and they were like, well, good thing we knew about this thing. Thanks, Gwyn. <laughs> Standard Blood Knife operating procedure. Yeah. <laughs> <Oink>. <laughs> Uh, so then Egwene and I need in the dream fight with the Black Ajas with the one power and with dream attacks and with mind attacks. Uh, Egwene frags several people. I thought, can't they not use the one power as a weapon? Uh, well, except against Shadow Spawn? Well, against Shadow Spawn and, and when they are, their lives are in danger. Like, like, remember there's that whole thing where the Aes Sedai have to be close enough to the fight for it to... Yeah, I guess so. But there, there's like multiple occasions where she teleports directly behind somebody and kills somebody who doesn't know she's there. Well, I mean... I mean, sometime in the future, that person would have killed her? <laughs> well, if they're Black Aja, then they're kind of, like, Shadow Spawn, right? Them, well... Maybe they get a pass on Black Aja. I thought, I thought Dark Prince didn't count as Shadow Spawn, or, but yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, Egwene sure thinks they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Egwene has a run-in with Masana and just barely escapes, because Masana has powerful dream powers. Oh, I, I, uh, there's also... Um, uh, they... Let's see. Oh, yeah. Egwene and Nynaeve are running through the halls, and they find Bayer, who's done the... She's changed her clothes and skin to blend in with the wall. This is cool. Which yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. This is Classic. So cool. That's a predator move, you know? I, I totally... I, I imagine the, the wise ones killed most of the people that got killed in this fight. Almost yeah. certainly, They just right? didn't do it, like, real loud and shouting like everybody else did. Yeah, they yeah. just find a bunch of bodies later. <laughs> no wise ones. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I imagine the Wise One's plan would have worked a lot better if not for Egwene teleporting around throwing fireballs and screaming at people. Oh, yeah, probably. And uh, Perrin and Hopper are chasing Slayer into the White Tower itself. Uh, Perrin runs into Egwene's battle. Oh, God, this scene is so good. Yeah, it's pretty solid. And they have a, a comical misunderstanding. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you shouldn't be here. It's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she's like, no, I, I don't have time to deal with you. And so she tries to dream power him and tie him up. And it just doesn't work at all. Yeah. He's, he's like, shrugs it off. He's like, no. <laughs> yeah. No, no. What? what? <laughs> and then someone tries to bailfire him. He's just like, no. <laughs> he yeah. like, blocks the bailfire. And Wayne's like, huh? He's like, it's just a weave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because oh. he's so wolfy. Oh, it's so good. But then uh, he doesn't have time to, to sort out whatever's going on here, and he, he just heads off after Slayer. He does hit a black eye with a piece of the building before he leaves. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah, so, yeah. I also yeah. loved when he thinks, it seems she'd managed to become an Aes Sedai. That was good. She deserved it. Perrin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Perrin's yeah. such a bro. Yeah. Uh, then Gawain is fighting those three guys. Uh, he... He's kind of holding his own, you know? He's doing okay. He gets one of them. Uh, they've got shadow powers and they're super fast or whatever. We don't really know what they look like. Yeah, I, it, it sounds like the reason he's doing well is because they're not actually trying to kill him. They're just kind of trying to wear him down. Yeah. Uh, Until he kills one of them. <laughs> yeah, and then that pisses him off. But then he has an idea. He uh, snuffs the lamp in the room so it's in pitch black. And now everybody... Is screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't accidentally stab Egwene. He's like right there, right? He's yeah, fighting yeah. literally over Egwene. Because that's their advantage is they got these shadow powers and it's hard to see them. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean... Can't it, have shadows if there's no light. I mean, it's this is a very Gwyn plan. It does work, though. Yeah. It's surprisingly. Like, really surprisingly. Yeah. 
Uh, and he, he kills them, but not before getting uh, skewered himself. And he collapses next to Egwene, reaching for her hand. Succumbing to blood loss as, you know, his last breath. I love you. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we get a quick check-in with Masana giving orders to Katarina. Yeah, they can't figure out where the dream spike came from, but Masana wants that shit bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Perrin and Slayer fight while falling off the White Tower. A very cinematic scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Slayer nails Hopper twice with arrows. Very sad. Yeah. yeah. And he's about to kill Perrin when Perrin tackles him into a nightmare. Yeah. Chapter 38. Wounds. Like another four snaking. Egwene is still fighting people. Uh, she gets trapped, kind of, by, uh, by, by Masana, right? Remember we were talking about how you find their ambush and ambush the ambush, and when mm-hmm. they ambush your ambush, you ambush it? Exactly, right. Yeah, yeah. She didn't do the last part. She yeah, just yeah. got double ambush. <laughs> yeah, the double, two ambushes in a row, man. Like, that's <laughs> every time. Yeah, and gets captured uh, by Masana, who dreams up a, an Adam and puts it on her. And takes her away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting because Perrin's appearance and you know behavior kind of give, has helps to go in and have an epiphany about like which what's useful in the dream. You know, like weaves can do some things, but but just will can do other things. So she has this idea that you can use both, which makes her more effective. You know, yeah. Which I that made my eyes roll just a little bit because that's what the wise ones have been telling her for seven books. <laughs> that is true. Like the best one. <laughs> like she she's. I think she even thinks at one point, oh, yeah, the wise ones do great here. Even the ones who can't channel. Huh. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, they, they have a, then a battle of wills, and, and Egwene manages to escape from the Adam, and they're, they're kind of willing each other by using their dream powers to make each other stupid. Oh, well, there is the, there is the, the trap, right? Like, uh, she's fighting someone who she thinks is Masana. Yeah, it yeah. turns out to be Katarine in disguise. Yeah, so she stabs Katarine. Right. I thought the interplay was super cool with the whole Adam thing because first Masana like tries to send the pain. Well, she does send through pain to mm. her, which Egwene is able to ignore because of her wise one training, and then she's able to remove the Adam. Like it just goes back to like her history of things that she's had to overcome herself. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. the pain, the Adam, and then at the end she has to be calm and everything, which was reminiscent of like the testing you do to become Aes Sedai. So yeah, I thought that was super cool. This was yeah, the, the Adam in particular is like the the symbol of the thing that Egwene didn't beat, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that she's the most scared of in the world. Yeah, but but at this point she's she's reached this point where she can like distance herself from the the fear of it, which means she can she can will it away essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which she does. And they have this epic battle uh, in which Egwene allows us how although Masana's been doing this for a long time, she lived in a peaceful time. She didn't live in like the super shitty world that Egwene grew up in. So Egwene's much tougher than she is. Also, Egwene, Egwene's basically like, I'm from the streets. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Keeping it real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Egwene wins the battle and apparently lobotomizes Masana. Yeah, just like... Gives her a stroke. There's like a pop or a crack and then yeah, Masana just starts like drooling, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. she like burst a vessel in her brain or something, gave her an aneurysm. Yeah, something. Yeah. Ooh. Bayer yeah. explains that she's actually seen this once before and the person basically spent the rest of their lives wearing diapers. Is like, oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess that's the end of Masana. I, this is interesting, though, because she's not dead, right? Masana, no. right, which yeah. means the Dark One can't bring her back. Oh, that's true. If if she were to die after this point, and the Dark One brought her back, would she be restored to her capacities? 
That's Probably, right? Question. Well, I would normally say yes, except this is happening in a dream and things that happen in the dream seem to have like a real impact on your like your soul or whatever, right? Mm. So this might be that Masana is no longer useful to the Dark One yeah. as a result. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, eventually the Egwene wants to find whoever it is in the White Tower that just got lobotomized and I think she should just bailfire that person right in their bed. Uh, just, just to be safe, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then uh, Perrin is using the nightmare to fight Slayer because Slayer sucks at nightmares. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting point because Slayer is too smart to go into nightmares. Where <laughs> Perrin's like been you know hurling himself into them. Like, oh, 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 oh. Welcome to my party. Yeah. So yeah, Slayer's not as good at dealing as, with nightmares. And yeah, the nightmare messes with Slayer and, and and distracts him, and Perrin is able to to steal back the dream spike from him. It's cool when you look at the juxtaposition between the two stories that are intertwined right now because they're both about the younger, less experienced person not having the ego and bending into their greatest fears. Oh, or that's a good point. Their fears, yeah. That's yeah, a really good point. True. Embracing them. Yeah, good point. The parent also ruins the dream spike in a pit of lava, because I guess that's what beats dream spikes. Yeah, well, uh, he, he gets it because Slayer keeps looking at the, the dragon mount, right? Yeah. The, the volcano. Yeah. So he's worried about lava. Yeah. yeah. He throws I guess. it into the pit of Mount Doom. Yeah. But with an H in Doom. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. So it's, it's different. Doom. Doom. Good to say it like that, yeah. And then Hopper dies. Yeah. yeah. Again. Yeah, right. Super dies. Double dies. You know what else was super cool about um, Perrin, like, being able to undo, like, the Balefire and shit like that? Because all that stuff, Balefire is made from the power, right? Yeah. And Perrin's powers are come from a time before the power, right? Oh, that's mm. right. Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's is more fundamental. more powerful than Egwene? I guess in the dream. In the dream, totally absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. He, he probably could have, like tied up that whole fight for them if he had time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because they um, all the people that have spent all this time in the dream are outclassed by someone like Perrin because Perrin, his his knowledge of the dream comes from the wolves and the wolves have, uh, you know, yeah. like forever memory, essentially. So yeah. it's like thousands and thousands and millions of years of like dream experience, essentially, right? Right. So it's kind of cool. Um, but... As Hopper's dying, he tells Perrin to seek out Boundless. Boundless. Do we know who that is? Isn't that the name of one of the other wolves? Yeah. Oh, okay. Do we meet that? Do we meet Boundless? Yeah, I think it was just one of the ones that recently was messing around with Slayer. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't remember anything special about her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Then Egwene wakes up. Uh, and she's like, whoa, I'm in such a great mood. That went great. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing could ruin this. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody made a big mess in her bedroom. And she, she looks up and there's five dead bodies. And Gawain, about to be a dead body. Gawain, Gawain got blood all over her room. What a dick. <laughs> you know, he's not back for ten minutes and here he has to go messing stuff up. Yeah. Uh, she is upset by this. Uh, she gets to Gwyn, and they love each other very much. It's, uh, Gwyn slips into consciousness do- just long enough to say, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like, okay, okay, Gwyn. Okay, okay, you go get on. your win, whatever. Uh, but she has to heal him, and she can't heal him enough, so she makes him her warder right there on the spot. Sure. <sighs> now she'll never get rid of him. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and he's also going to be her husband. Uh, right. She just, she just likes that dumbass, you know? Apparently. Yeah, Everybody some, has a weakness. Yeah, you know, yeah. some people are into dumb animals, so, you know. <laughs> That's right. You know, I, I, when I married my wife, she had a, a chihuahua. You guys mm. met that chihuahua. Uh-huh. It's the worst dog I've ever encountered <laughs> in my whole life. This just a broken, broken dog. Like, yeah. I, like, I like dogs a lot, and this dog was a busted dog. Like, yeah. Just like in the brain. It, it, just, it couldn't do anything. It was super weird. 
Uh, yeah, and it would, like it would honk all the time. And it didn't do anything like any kind of tricks or anything like that. Uh, it, when it ran, it would sometimes fall over because it for, forget to keep some of its legs on the ground. Yeah. Like it, was, it would go up on like two legs while it was running. It yeah. wouldn't work on the tile. It wouldn't <laughs> That's walk right. on the tile. Yeah, yeah. he was terrified to work, walk on hard floor, and so you had to like carry it across yeah. the hard floor. Anyway, terrible, terrible dog. But it, you know this. It's a weakness. It's a weakness that you like something terrible and broken. <laughs> and that's what Egwene is feeling for this person. Uh, it's a terrible, worthless person. If Egwene had any positive, positive qualities, I guess he's handsome, Yeah. then she probably wouldn't like it as much. True. So Egwene is basically her trash chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. Dumpster chihuahua. Yeah, that's the... Yes, my, my wife, of course, found that dog in a dumpster. Of course. Uh, there, of course. Explains a lot. Yeah, my, my theory was always that like uh, that the that it was like rainy night and like lightning hit that dumpster. And at the bottom there was just in like a steaming crater there was that dog. <laughs> Whatever the hell it was. Aww. Or maybe maybe like they had the dog factory and then like the one one of them they were like, Oh, this one isn't gonna work and they just tossed yeah. the dumpster. Yeah, right, yeah. It would cry all the time. I didn't even know dogs could cry. I, think, I think other dogs can't cry. <laughs> This one could. It's just these dark patches under its eyes. Anyway. Oh, he yeah. grew horns too, didn't he? Yeah, it had these horrible growths on its forehead. <laughs> That's right. It was the worst dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember the growths. They were yeah, disgusting. It, it would growl constantly, but it didn't know how to growl. It just made this noise. <laughs> 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 just, Aww. Yeah. Karina loved that dog. <laughs> she loved that dog. Yes. Uh, right. So Perrin wakes up. Uh, he's very sad, you know, because Hopper died. Most of his army is already gone, and he moves the rest out. Yeah, a few thousand soldiers hung back to look after him. You know, yeah, while he while he slept, and uh, they don't. I don't know how much they know about what he's doing, but they're all very happy. Apparently, he, he was like, I guess uh, we know this. Things that happen in the dream can affect your body. So he had like, wounds that were opening on his oh, body. Oh yeah, yeah, because they were like healing him. I yeah. guess, but not until he woke up or something. Right. Because the wise ones said, "Don't do that," because they're assholes. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's got to. He's got to feel this shit. <laughs> yeah. Or else he won't learn. And then uh, Grendel is upset. She orders Slayer to go ahead with the trap. Yeah. So I gotta say, Perrin, you know, he. He's having everyone leave because he's sure there's going to be enormous an enormous army to attack them, a trap, right? Yeah. And all I could think was, like, Grendel just... That doesn't make any sense for Grendel, right? Like, that's not Grendel's way. Yeah. And yet... <laughs> and yet. That wasn't Grendel's way before, but I guess Grendel's way changed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she, she, you know, she does decide to spring the trap and shakes her fist at the sky and says, I'll get you next time, Blacksmith. Right, yeah. I can still save this. And chapter 39, In the Threefold Land, Icon of the Aeel. This is a weird chapter. This is a weird yeah. chapter. This actually might be my favorite chapter yeah. uh, of the book so far, just because I felt it was very well written, and, and it was a cool little vignette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so Avienda is running to Rodian, thinking about how much Whitelanders suck butt. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like, how, oh, how, it's so great. Here in the waste. look at that bush. I know there's a snake in that bush that's killed five people I know about. <laughs> And, and she catches a shellback, which I was like, okay, what is a shellback? Um, I was thinking turtle, but she says unwrap. And I was like, armadillo? Oh, my God. Is she <gasps> eating armadillo? Eat armadillo? No. Avienda. Yeah. Shh. Okay, she just she just went down to the bottom of the list of Rand's honeys. Yeah, that's true. Wait, below Elaine? Yeah, below Elaine. Yeah, right. Elaine hasn't eaten a shellback. I don't think she would. Yeah, that, you're right. You know, you're right. It's goddamn I eel. Ah, that's, that's offensive. Mm-hmm. Mr. Sanderson. <laughs> <Sir>. <laughs> and as she's camping at night, 
a mysterious woman comes to her campfire. Yeah. Well, and there's nothing suspicious about this. Nakomi. She just sort of appears. Yeah, she's like, oh, it's weird that I didn't hear her coming up, you and, know? And immediately starts asking her questions about Rand, about the Karakarn, and then starts philosophizing a bit about why the Aiel were in the Threefold Land and what they should do after the last battle, and uh, all, so on and so forth, and then the woman vanishes mysteriously. Yeah. 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 That's so weird. Yeah, yeah. the woman's yeah. like, I'm going to go take a shit. And when <laughs> Hogan's like, she's been taking a shit for a long time. He goes to look forward, she comes back, all her stuff is gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought, like, well, first of all, this was spooky, right? Was this person a ghost? Or is Aviana, like, already in Ruidian and this is part of the training? I don't know. Like, I was wondering if this is one of, like, it's fairly common in, in epic fantasy series for the author to insert, like, a like a, a a god essentially yeah. like in 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 person form right like was it tom bombadil or you know there's the yeah that weird wizard guy in the fizban or Sifnab or whatever yeah, yeah yeah so there's like these things that, that pop up right so yeah absolutely and i i thought that was cool like it was spooky it was a really interesting change of pace from the last few chapters yeah uh, i thought that i think if that never comes up again that will be like the perfect chapter because it's just like this spooky little side thing that happened to avienda while she was running through the desert mm-hmm. and it's interesting because it's kind of like exactly what she needs to hear in a way too right yeah. like it's like a, a, you could say it's the pattern kind of nudging her a little yeah, bit because what avienda is thinking is like we got to go back to the threefold land that's what defines us and the this woman this ghost whoever it is is saying to her well the threefold land was to forge you into the thing that you needed to be and now it has done that. That time is now. Now you are being the thing you needed to be. So why would you go back to the threefold land, right? That would be like that would be arrogant to think that you need more, you know, mean more atonement, right? Well, yeah, yeah. It's because it's the threefold land is to forge them, to to punish them, and what's the third fold? There's three things. Because it's because it's also a, a a punishment for their violating their oath. So it's yeah, like yeah. if you if you're if you're fighting in the final battle is like the the, the final atonement, then. The, the, then you yeah, did it. Then you you did don't it, have yeah. to live here anymore. Yeah. So it's interesting, yeah. And yeah, and Avienda's like, but then like what would we do if we don't if we're not here? And, and the woman's like, good question. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I gotta go take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I so I love this. I also thought this was the most annoying ghost who like shows up, drinks some of your water, eats some of your food, asks you a bunch of philosophical questions to waste your time after you've been running through the desert all day Uh and this person comes up and is like can you really have free will if everything's deterministic (laughs) oh i just want to go to sleep (laughs) come on to be fair she did apparently like like turn that meal up a notch right like she used some like magic herbs to make the armadillo the armadillo that (laughs) obviously was eating the best armadillo she'd ever eaten that's i mean as we all know armadillos are the best meal yeah i mean like eating Definitely. Yeah. Delicious. Not that you should ever do that because it's monstrous, but you know. Yeah. So chapter 40, a making. Icon of the blacksmith puzzle. A parent is in his camp. He's upset. Yeah, he's not happy with the way all this panned out. You know, Hopper's dead and he's not really sure what the damn trap was, you know? Yeah, he's trying to figure it out. Uh, he heads over, you know, he's, he's a good old blacksmith. He heads over to the, t- the camp blacksmith. <laughs> the local Porto Smithy. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah, he's got a little, you know, a little portable smith, sure. And he has himself a hammering thing. Yeah. There was definitely some kind of trap. So if, if I slipped it, huh, I guess that just leaves the white cloth. Oh, no! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as he's, as he's hammering on the forge, uh, Neald. The Ashaman offers to chip in and, and channel in some heat to keep the heat at a 
at a good rate. I gotta say, like Perrin using a murder wizard to heat his forge forge metal is like <laughs> yeah. kind of it's kind of baller as fuck, right? It's, <laughs> he's like, I'm no lord, but you wizard, come make this hot for me. <laughs> yes, I know there's a fire over there, but it's not making it hot enough. But as he's hammering this forging process, he doesn't even know what he's making at first, becomes super epic. <laughs> I know, right? It's just like he's just like kind of starts losing himself in the metal, and there's like. There's like sparks flying. Yeah. And, and like people start running away because the sparks are so big. And it's just yeah, like, they're shooting up in the sky. Yeah. You know what you know, this reminded me of? Nynaeve when she fixed stilling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kind she was of, just yeah. sort of not, not really thinking about what she was doing. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so Perrin is just hammering and hammering. And he doesn't know what he's making yet. And he's getting super into it, and, and in the background you can hear Neal being like, I can barely hold it! I need help! <laughs> and, and the other guys are like, what are you doing, Neal? He's like, I don't know! <laughs> and parents just keep going, and finally realizes that he's making a hammer. Like a cooler hammer. Yeah, a giant magic hammer. It's like big. It's a big hammer. It's like four feet, four feet tall or something. That's or... a big damn hammer. Yeah. Is it supposed to be Mjolnir? I mean, this is bigger than Yolnir, really, right? Oh, you know, I bet it is like that. Because uh, eventually it gets a name a lot like that. Yeah. Oh, you're totally right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah. Ma Alenir. But also, while he is forging this hammer, he's forging himself. Because he decides that he does want to be a lord after all. Mm-hmm. And not just because people want him to, but just because he wants to, you know, be able to snap his fingers and have murder wizards heat up his forge, right? <laughs> well, he likes being a lord. Right, right. Yeah, I actually kind of love this scene. Like he, oh, by the way, he names his hammer. You mentioned the name is uh, Mahalanir. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sorry, Mjolnir. But uh, but it's actually Hopper in the old tongue because yeah. you know it's uh, it doesn't sound quite so dumb if you name it. He who soars, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you named your hammer Hopper, you know. It's sort of like how if you name things uh, in French, it sounds fancier, you know. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. And yeah, he makes this sweet hammer. He puts a little wolf symbol on it. Yeah. And he announces to all of his army that he is now Lord Perrin. Uh, and he's like, you know that flag I told you guys to burn every one of them? You didn't burn them all, did you? <laughs> and they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so he puts it up and gives him a little speech. I march beneath the sign of the wolf. It's pretty sweet. It's pretty yeah. great. Yeah. They all cheer. I gotta say, I haven't been a big fan of Perrin for most of the series, but these last few chapters just... Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, this is... This is the turning point, right? Yeah. 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 And, and then he locates where the White Cloaks are and figures that they're in a, on a trap. Or at least it's, it's meant to be a little bit ambiguous what he's doing. He orders his army to move towards where they are. And they happen to be camping in like a super good ambush spot. Yeah. Because the White Cloaks are stupid. <laughs> yep. Like everybody, <laughs> every single person the parent talks to about this camping spot is like, good camping spot, total ambush spot. Yeah, look at like right here, right here, right here. Man, you could just trap the shit out of this place. <laughs> yeah. And we've got the great line, unfortunately, Parent Golden Eyes had some killing to do tonight. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. And then uh, we get to Fael. Fael is very impressed by uh, Parent's epic forging, like, that stuff was, was baller. Oh, yeah, man. Bar- She's going to have to change her own panties. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, too bad about those split riding skirts you always wear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just the floor's like a mess. <laughs> Sploosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bar- yeah, so Barreline and Fayil are chatting about what they just witnessed. It was like, uh, so he can make power rot weapons now, huh? Yeah, right. Tavaran, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> That's my man. Uh-huh. Uh, Barrelane is worried that Perrin is about to go kill Galad, and Fael's like, no way, no way. I mean, okay, 80% chance he's not going to kill Galad. <laughs> yeah, 75, 50-50 like, tops. Like, like when, when uh, 
when Berling was saying this, I was like, that's dumb. This does, like, that doesn't make any sense. Perrin wouldn't do that. But in Berling's defense, Fael, who's defending Perrin, was not around for emo Perrin when he started chopping people up with his axe. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I mean, like, he was a chopping people up guy for a little bit, you know? <laughs> that's true. Uh, but, they, but they, oh, man. Then there's this rant. Like, Berling goes on this real entitled thing about how Rand promised her Perrin, except, like, he didn't. It was... It was implied that that Perrin was hers. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was a little cringy, honestly. Yeah, it was yeah. It was weird. I think I think maybe they're like Sanderson was trying to give us maybe some explanation for why Berylaine is the way she is. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it comes down to Berylaine seeing all of this stuff is very politically transactional, right? Like, it, there's there's no love, or love doesn't matter. It's about, like, gaining political advantage through this, these marriages or whatever. Yeah. Which I guess is kind of her job. I, like, that's... that's We've heard before that the role of the first Mayan is to do exactly what she's doing, right? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but like, she's actually given up on Perrin for really real now, but Galad, hey, half-brother of Elaine, hey, that's... He still counts. That's pretty nice uh, connection for the Mayan to make, too. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and it doesn't help that he's, you know, easy on the eyes. Yeah. Yeah, this this whole thing ends with basically uh, Berylaine begging Fael to help her dissuade Perrin from attacking the White Cloaks. Which, again, does anyone actually think that's what's happening at this point? I think that... I, I feel like Robert Jordan would have made this ambiguity a lot more interesting. Yeah. Because it you feels know? really obvious that there's no way Perrin's be, Perrin is attacking the White Cloaks, right? Absolutely. Yeah, totally not. Because Perrin's like, oh, it's a trap. The trap is springing on somebody. I'm going to go over there to, to move my army to where the White Cloaks are. Which, you know, it, that clearly doesn't add up to I'm going to attack the White Cloaks. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if this was, like, if the reader was supposed to read this as ambiguous, but it, it seemed pretty damn obvious to me. Yeah. Uh, Elias leaves while Perrin's getting his stuff together. Yeah. I, I gotta say, Perrin seems, like, a lot more content now that he's accepted this role. And I, I was wondering if this is, like, a thematic thing, right? So, Because first we had Rand, who was, like, this really, like, dark character, and then he accepts, like, his his fate as being this person who's doing this thing. And suddenly he was just like miraculously like great character, right? Yeah. So I'm wondering if this is like kind of the thing with Perrin, you know, maybe that's the same thing yeah, that's happening with I Perrin. suppose it is. Yeah, so it's the it's same like thing. Embracing his, his lordiness. And it, so that leads me to wonder, is Matt going to be like running around shouting, I'm a bloody hero now. Like, <laughs> is that what's next? It's like, <laughs> I'm Matt Cawthon, the bloody hero. Uh, yeah, I wonder. We'll see. I don't know. I, I feel like Matt is in a kind of a different... He's on a different track than the other <laughs> ones are. You know? It feels like, yeah. Like the, it's, He feels like the pattern is more like screwing with him. <laughs> <laughs> like Matt is the butt of the pattern. So he's the comic relief for the pattern. Yeah. And then Perrin moves his army uh, over to uh, near Galad's army. Galad you know, wakes up. Uh, they've spotted Perrin's army and they assume they're about to be attacked. Uh, Byar, child Byar, is mad at him. And then, uh, as Perrin's watching the White Cloak camp, Trollocs attack it out of nowhere, and he attacks them. The battle is on. Yeah. No, he raised his newly forged hammer, and the battle began. <laughs> yeah, There's what some a... good closing lines. Yeah, this, this is pretty cool. Yeah. This is a cliffhanger. Yeah. I was like, oh man, like it was hard for me to stop reading at me this too. chapter. I was like, oh, I want to know what happened next, but yeah, yeah, this was good. This yeah, was solid. These chapters slapped. Yeah, yeah I like. Sure. I really like the hair, Perrin forging the hammer scene. That was that was tight. That was really good. Yeah, yeah. and then and the ne- way the way it was written, I you know I bag on Sanderson's writing a lot, but this this nailed it. You know the way Perrin is just it felt Jordan-y. You're right. Mm-hmm. Perrin is just caught up in this thing, and he's he's not paying attention to himself. But there's still enough stuff so you can see what it looks like to people outside this incredibly epic situation. Yeah, you're totally right. It felt exactly like the naive thing where mm-hmm. where he, he, where 
it was almost like fate was kind of working <laughs> working through him or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I guess I guess the ability to make power rot weapons is a talent capital T according to someone. Oh yeah. yeah so I guess I yeah. That. yeah. So I guess Perrin has uh, has that talent. But it's stemming well, out Neil of talents. It. It's stemming out oh, of Neil. Yeah, you're right. Non power associated talents they had before. Nynaeve was always a healer. True. Even before she used the power, and then she used the power to do this amazing healing, stilling thing. And Perrin was always a blacksmith. Yeah. Really interesting. Fucking yeah. make power rot weapons. That's cool. So, yeah. so the 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 ambush is Trollocs and Miradral and maybe some Dreadlords because I think I think is it Grady or Nial mentions that they sense channeling happening. Yeah, so it's going down. I guess there's a bunch of Dreadlords out there, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm astounded that this is actually what what the trap was. Like, this is not a Grendel thing, right? Right. But I guess it is. I don't know. This Grendel's never seemed like the army type. She's like the well, manipulator okay. and so on, right? It's not. There's something else, right? Because she she mentions how. She wants to spring the trap because she needs to distract Perrin for the real. Oh, the real okay, okay. So this is not the real. Okay, that makes me feel better because, like, if this is the the trap, then I'd be like, this is not Grendel, you know? Yeah, right. No, that's a good and, point. And even if this was one of the other more badly forsaken hordes of Trollocs, are Perrin's thing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he knows exactly what to do about that. <laughs> that's true. Like all these two rivers guys, <laughs> this is how they cut their teeth. Yeah, like remember that time when they sent a horde of Trollocs against the two rivers and they kicked their asses? <laughs> right, well, yeah. Here we go again, right? They call it the Battle of the Piles of Dead Trollocs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just we just ran out of places to hide all these Trolloc bodies. <laughs> yeah, couldn't dig the holes deep enough. Uh, so that's it. anything else? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when uh, Galad wakes up to news that. Perrin is attacking. Uh, Byers has like some crazy shit, you know. Like he's he's losing it, right? So I yeah. think I think Byers a problem. I think Byers a dark friend. You know, I keep getting that sense. I I, I, didn't I can't think that, tell. I really I didn't think can't that tell until this point. Oh, really? But I'm getting that vibe. Like I'm getting that vibe. Like he he his orders are to make the white cloaks kill Perrin or something, and he's Maybe. freaking out because it's not working out. Because like all the like all the dark friends freak out when their plans don't work. I can't I can't tell. I, I'm going back and forth between Bayer being a dark friend and Bayer being like the prophet, just being like so crazy that he's just like he reeks of like insanity. You know, he, yeah, he can't think anymore. So one of those two for sure. But yeah, this is great. Yeah, these are great chapters. Mm -hmm. So that's it for this episode. Next time we're going to talk about chapters 41 through 46 of Towers of Midnight. I am Jeff Lake, that's Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan, that's Bluebone at Cafe on Instagram. I'm Michael Sparkman, I still don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at armadillo.club. We love hearing from you. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this, especially iTunes. Please find out how you can support us at armadillo.club, including our newish shop where you can you know, buy our faces to wear them on your body. <laughs> Uh, please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. The, the light, light illumine you. you.